Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate this show. I guess that would go at the end of the podcast. Let me try again. Hey, this is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with us on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram. I love that movie podcast. And we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is free, but if you want to support us, you can on there. Patreon.com slash I love that movie. And I want to take a quick second to thank our top patrons, uh, Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Joseph George. Thank you guys so much uh, for keeping the lights on. We've also got a Teespring if you need swag, a Discord, and a Facebook group where you can chat with other uh, movie lovers judgment-free. Just keep it positive in there. And every week we've been doing a watch. This week we're going to go ahead and watch uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So if you want to get in on that, we're going to watch it this Saturday at 8 p.m., uh, there's an invite on Facebook. Hit me up. I'll add you to the chat. Um, other than that, I've got a returning guest on here, a top fiver, Tim. Oh, Say hi, Tim. Top fiver. That's, I mean. That, <laughs> I just came up with that. Do you like I, that? <laughs> I do. I mean, the the egotistical side of me loves it, but the the, the stronger, <laughs> humble side makes me, I want to crawl into a hole of embarrassment. But thank you for having me all the same. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and Tim, go ahead and introduce yourself just in case people haven't heard you on here before. Uh, well, my name is Tim. I am the uh, I am the co-host of several podcasts on the Thought Bubble Audio Network, uh, including Beer with Geeks and Supergirl TV Talk and Academy Rewind, which we're going back through all the uh, Oscar, um, the uh, Oscar nominees of the past decades and uh, uh when i'm not podcasting i'm a high school english teacher and uh and i teach a, a couple of film courses and my one of my degrees is in film so i love movies and i'm ready to talk about them in a way that makes people love them even more or hate me either way all things are <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready to talk about them in an unpretentious way completely transparent yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so, so Tim, uh, what, you know, my guest always picks the movie. So what, what movie did you choose? To I make? picked Batman 1989 directed by Michael Keaton, uh, directed by Michael Keaton, lol, um, directed by <laughs> Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Bassinger, Robert Wool, Billy D. Williams, and Pat Hingle. Yeah. I imagine if it was directed by Michael Keaton, it would be a different movie. It probably would be. I'd still watch it and probably <laughs> like it. I'd still watch it. What if it's what yeah. if there's a weird world where Michael Keaton was the director and Tim Burton was Batman? Was Batman? How strange would that I be? Mean... Think of Tim Burton's like jaw <laughs> and mouth, but in the Batman costume. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in a weird way, all his movies are kind of about him. Oh, um 100%. So he'd probably be the Joker. 
you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, he could be Batman, too. Yeah, there's that duality thing. That's think why about. he liked the movie in the first place. It's a weird image, though, right. Tim Burton as Batman. Right. It is. It's it's unsettling. Uh, so, yes, this is Batman 1989. Um, as always, guys, if you haven't seen this already, you know, this is not spoiler free. So I would go ahead and go watch it and come back. Um, I actually watched it on the DC app this time. Oh, look at you supporting DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Look at that. <laughs> I know I own it and it's somewhere, but I just, it was like, you know what? I've got the app. I'm going to use it to watch a movie and see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I saw it on there. Uh, you know, before we keep going, I'm going to go ahead and give the synopsis. It's literally like two sentences. I think you guys can imagine what it's about, even if you haven't seen it. Uh, The Dark Knight of Gotham begins his war on crime with his first major enemy being Jack Napier, a criminal who becomes the clownishly homicidal Joker. Bam. That's actually a great synopsis. This movie isn't super... It's really not super plot heavy, right? I mean, (laughs) he's going to run into the Joker and fight him. I feel like that's the main thing. I mean, it is a Tim Burton movie. (laughs) Let's be honest here. Plot heavy and Tim Burton are not things that go hand in hand. Um this is true. I'm, I'm I'm really glad you are talking about this movie because there's so many things I want to dive into about it. I don't know. There's just a few. But before we do, I think, uh, when did you first see this movie? I was uh, less than two years old when it came out. Um, so I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on VHS sometime. I want to say I was probably between five and six because I rem- I have a very distinct memory of not being able to go see Batman Returns in theaters. Um, oh, too dark. Yeah, huh? too dark. My aunt called my parents and she was like, they can't go see this movie. There's Isn't that funny? Yeah. Isn't that funny now, especially like... All the rated R comic book movies. Right, I know. Like, I mean, Batman Returns, well, to be fair, is rather dark. Like, even, like, for a five-year-old. It like, is. you know. So I, I understand her process behind that. But I remember th- talking to my brother and being like, we've seen the first one, but, you know, we're kids. So, like, we've seen the first one. Why can't we see the other ones? I don't understand. <laughs> um So, uh, so I, I was probably about five or six. We rented it from Blockbuster a lot. Of course. So much so that the 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 Warner Brothers cartoon, like merchandising cartoon, is like fondly remembered along with this movie. Do you remember that cartoon where it's like you gotta buy your Warner Brothers ball cap mm. and it's just Daffy and uh, Oh yes, 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 yes. That yes. played before this, and there was a Diet Coke commercial played before in which Batman is just <laughs> driving in the Batmobile, which is footage from the movie Home, and Alfred's on the phone. He's like, Master Wayne isn't here right now, but, you know, I'm sure he'd, you know, take a message or blah, blah, blah. It's just Alfred drinking a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant marketing. It was so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I was born in 83, so like you, I was probably too little. I was maybe, I guess I was five when it came out, but... I think I saw it when I was like, I don't know, seven or Mm -hmm. eight. To me, it was a new movie. Like, I remember thinking that. Um, Like, as I got older, I'm like, oh, it came out in 89. (laughs) Like, I thought it was like brand new when I saw it, but I don't think you have a great concept of time as a child. I don't Um, really have one now. I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, Especially now. (laughs) Um, You know, being quarantined. That is true. Uh, But I've lost all concept of time. Um, But yeah, I, I remember... It being the first Batman movie I saw, 
Um, I remember my my father and my uncle complaining that these movies were too dark. Um, and, you know, people that are young out there imagine a world where there's no dark, gritty comic book movies. Like, imagine that now. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, he really, Tim Burton really changed the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a lot of ways, it affected Batman going forward. So um, I remember really loving the movie. I loved Batman Returns. I don't remember the controversy surrounding it. But I did see a really funny video um, uh, like a month or two ago uh, that was like all these kids on a news show discussing how bad the new Batman is and how frightening it is. And there's this little narc kid and they're interviewing him and he's like, yeah, everybody. I mean, I saw it because I have to. It's my job. I'm a movie reviewer, but it's so scary and I just don't recommend it for other children. Oh, my God, and what? I, yeah, and I was, I know, that's like a kid getting on TV and going, ice cream, it's bad, guys, like, Spilled. don't eat Spilled it, you know, <laughs> it's like, might hurt your teeth, it's, it's, it's bad for your teeth, yeah. and it was like, who forced this poor child to, to, to turn his back on all other kids and proclaim the Batman movie is evil, but yeah, it's, it's out there, I'll find, I'll find the clip, but, um, but yeah, so this first one, I really, really enjoyed um, I never even noticed as a kid that it wasn't 100% serious. Like there, there's a generational gap with this movie, don't you think? Yes, 100% because pre this, yeah. if you weren't a comic fan, right? If you weren't reading books, so you weren't up on the, you know, the Dick Giordano or the Neil Adams or the Denny O'Neill or the um, Gene Colan or, and then you get to Dark Knight Returns with Frank Miller. If you weren't up on any of that stuff, then your Batman was campy Adam West. Right. And even now, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, now to them, this movie is almost too campy. And you're like, wow, when it came out, it was too dark. Like, mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> but there's just been so much Batman content since then, too. So, yeah, you have people on, like, every end of the spectrum. I think my dad liked this one in his and my uncle liked this one more than the second one because the second one goes full Tim Burton. It right? does. But, it, um... This is a this is a like a blockbuster movie. This is a movie for the masses directed by Tim Burton and Batman Returns is like auteur Burton. Like I want it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, I'm making a movie for me and everybody else can see right. it if they want. That's Batman Returns. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I love it. Me too. Um yeah, <laughs> that could be a whole nother episode. You should come back and talk about that one, too. I'll, I'll come back for Batman. Well. I'll come back for any Tim Burton movie, really. <laughs> the only movie Yay. that I'd like sit out is Alice in Wonderland. It'd be the only one where i like, yeah. you keep that one. Once, once Depp started wearing all those hats, I just kind of checked yep. out. Mm-hmm. He has like a different hat in each movie, and that's mainly <laughs> what's going on. I don't know. <laughs> I checked out. Um, I, I have a couple quick facts to throw in before we get going. Uh, my number one, most of them are about Jack Nicholson. Because this movie is kind of about him <laughs> more so than Batman. Uh, Jack Nicholson said of his role, the thing about the Joker is that his sense of humor is completely tasteless. He later said the Joker was one of the favorite roles he played. That is cool. I didn't know he said that about the uh, the the jokes being tasteless that's it that's actually a really good read on the joker from from mm-hmm. jack nicholson i do know that this is the only movie that jack nicholson will watch himself in because he doesn't recognize really? himself yeah he, like, <laughs> he doesn't he won't go back and see anything else but if this is on tv he will actually legitimately sit and watch it because his performance is so otherworldly and with between that and the makeup and the how much he loved making the movie that he'll actually watch it 
Yeah, well, he's definitely, I mean, he's one of my favorite actors. He's in my favorite movie of all time, The Shining. <laughs> so uh, he's also one of my favorite Jokers. Uh, I I love his interpretation. I mean, it, it's essentially himself, but uh, turned, up t- turned up to an 11. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I can't wait to talk more about that as we go on. Uh, the second one that I have, too, is that... A lot of you guys know this, especially you, Tim. I'm sure you know this, that Jack Nicholson received a percentage of the gross on the film. And due to its massive box office take, he took home around $60 million. Isn't that, that's in 1989. Let's not, like, $60 million in 89. I mean, essentially, he didn't want to do it, right? He was like, I'm not doing that. And then they were like, well, what if we pay you a crazy amount? And he's like, all right. And I think he even had rights to the second movie, right? Even though he's not even in it, he, like made money off that one as well, I believe. Yeah, he actually makes money off of any time anyone ever says Jack Napier. That's part of the deal because Are he, you serious? Yeah, he's the first... Jack Napier was not a comic thing. It's a movie thing. So right. he is like purely connected to that name. And so anytime the name Jack Napier shows up in anything mor- remotely related to Batman, it's um it, he gets he still gets money. Um, well you know you're a powerful presence when your name is Jack in like the most famous roles you've ever played, your name was also Jack. That is so true. <laughs> Very good. Like, I, I mean, and yeah, they're both wow. Crazy I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they're both insane and homicidal. Um, I, hold on, I did some, I did some, I did some quick math on the sixty million for inflation, so people would oh, be like, oh, awesome. how much, how much did Jack get in twenty twenty? Jack would have received one hundred and twenty seven million dollars, almost one hundred twenty eight million. Oh my god! It's like half the movie budget of what it would be today. <laughs> yep, yep. Just for wow. being in it, I know. Yeah. But thank God, thank God he was in it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I can't wait to talk about him. Yeah. Um. So my last one is about Tim Burton. Uh. When discussing the central theme of Batman, director Tim Burton explained the whole film and mythology of the character is a complete duel of the freaks. It's a fight between two disturbed people. Adding that the Joker is such a great character because there's a complete freedom to him. Any character who operates outside of society and is deemed a freak and an outcast then has the absolute freedom to do what they want. They are the darker sides of freedom. Insanity, in some scary way, the most freedom you can have because you're not bound to the laws of society. Hmm. A dark look at Tim Burton's mind. (laughs) That I not sure. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I think that sums up a a, a part of the film. I think it really sums up Tim Burton more than it sums up the movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know we've talked, we've covered Tim Burton a lot actually on this show. Unsurprisingly, he's got a lot of great movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, his best work I think is always examining you know being outside of society, or in his case, outside of the Hollywood elite circle. And what that looks like, how that makes him feel. And I feel like when he explores that concept, his movies are just better. So I think that's part of why, you know, he brought his essence or whatever to this film. And it, it really works. I'm 100% with you. I I have some fun facts myself. If you quick facts, Ooh, fact, go if, ahead. You, if you don't I'm mind. I'm Yes, go um, for it. <laughs> uh, many people know, I think, know this already that um, when Michael Keaton was cast, there was like the first big fan backlash of the hashtag not my Batman. Yep. Uh, yeah. B- before <laughs> the Internet, people were like thousands of letters flooded Warner Brothers. Like, how dare you cast a comedic actor as Batman and blah, blah, blah. Just goes to show that fans 
um, haven't really changed at all, ever. We really. haven't gotten better. Nope. We call the hash. We call the pound sign a hashtag now. That is correct. That's changed. That that's true. That's <laughs> changed. I don't know if that's better or worse, but we certainly do that. Um, Probably worse. The uh, entire <laughs> film, uh, actually, for the mo- apart from Axis Chemicals and Wayne Manor, is in uh, built entirely on a set on a back lot in London. Um, and Anton first, the production designer, won an Oscar for best production design in 1990. Wow, for this movie. Yeah, it, you can tell it's a set now. I think when you look at it, but it's beautiful, and so I don't, I don't care. It's like the world's smallest Gotham City, but it, it's okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, I, I think I, we were talking about a little bit um, before I started recording that um, I was on uh, Thomas Olson's show, and we talked about both both this movie and the second one, and that's something like as a younger generation, because he's a little younger than us, that he has trouble with is like. The fact that it's so clearly a set, you know, kind of bugs him. And for some of us, it's like, I like that about it. But mm-hmm. I could also see, like, he's growing up, you know, it, it could be a generational thing, too, of, like, you know, for a long time, movies were on sets, right? Like, a right. lot of them. Um, and so you kind of, it, you sort of just accept it, like you do with CG or anything else. You're like, oh, okay, like, I can handle that. But I think after that point, you know, people started really getting away from that idea. And I think you have to think about where Tim Burton comes from, too. You know, when you see movies like Ed Wood and things like that, where he really has this affinity for, like, old Hollywood, um, I think he wants it to be on a set because of that, too. You know, it's like this idea that it's fake on purpose, and it's part of the aesthetic of the film. Um, so I think if you like that, you like it, but if not, yeah, it's the tiniest Gotham in the world. It's like they walk 10 paces and they're like, now we're somewhere else. And you're like, no, you're in the same place. Yeah. The Monarch <laughs> theater is always slightly in the background of every shot. Like it's so, it's great. But I think that's a really good point though. I think that it, part of it is, again, you talked about this movie being generational and I think sets are, are definitely kind of a part of that. And we still have. I think we don't notice sets a lot of times in the same way anymore, yeah. um, you know, because a lot of the times it's like the top of a skyscraper in green screen. And that does count as a set. They work right, together right. to be a set, but a, a, building a whole city on a back lot doesn't exist in the same way anymore. And then mm-hmm. using that city over and over again for a lot of different for the whole movie. Um, but I think. I think what you said, like, it's fake on purpose. I mean, like, you, this city is gross, and it only looks this way because they imagined it. Like, no city in the world looks like this. So Gotham is in, has a flavor and a uniqueness that doesn't exist in the real world. And so I think that's why I, I like the set the most. Yeah, and I, I like the way, I mean, I think the Batman cartoon took it even further, but there's sort of a retro look to it, right? It's mm-hmm. gothic, older, um, and they that's cranked up to an 11 in the cartoon to where even everyone dresses like it's the 20s or whatever, but they're using cell phones and computers. And that's kind of impacted the aesthetic of Batman for such a long time in the comics, too. Um, I think it's such a cool way to call back to its origins uh, but still kind of update it at the same time. So I, I just, I think even if you don't really love that it's on a set, you have to at least respect that Tim Burton kind of, his influence really, you know, impacted the the Batman universe going forward. It's true. It's a great point. It's like contemporary Art Deco 
you know. Yes. Kind of the, and, ugh, who doesn't love Art Deco? Uh, but. I know. I know. <laughs> well, people who stopped using it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess it's over. Uh, okay. But um, did you have any other quick facts? I have one. I have uh, three three quick ones, but uh, one of them I'll actually say when we just talk about the movie. But um, one, Jack Nicholson oh, okay. was apparently super supportive of Tim Burton during this movie. Like they formed Aww. this really nice bond with one another because Tim Burton, this was like his first really big movie, you know, um, because Beetlejuice and, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure were kind of small in comparison, despite oh, yeah, the irony yeah. of Pee-wee's, uh, the title of Pee-wee's movie. Um, <laughs> it's Big Adventure. Big Adventure. It was rather small. And um, and so Jack Nicholson was very much like, don't, you know, don't let him get to you. You've got this. He was like kind of like his cheerleader through the whole movie, which I, I, I think is really sweet because you don't kind of see Jack Nicholson as being that kind of person, this like larger than life force of nature that is Jack Nicholson. And he's just like quietly helping Tim Burton be a competent director. Like, I think that's, I think that's pretty great. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I can't picture him like, okay guys, bring it in for a hug. You know. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> once you say it, you're like, I can kind of see it, even though the yeah, hug might yeah. be weird and awkward, I can still see it. <laughs> it might make me uncomfortable, but it'll happen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, my last this is my favorite batman fun fact so the batmobile uh, designed by anton first doesn't have doors famously right it opens like a like an air like a jet liner uh like a like a, a, like a DeLorean jet cockpit or something yeah yeah, it, yeah or delorean um <laughs> and that's because like when they built the batmobile and they like showed it to tim burton he was they were he was like wow this is great how do you get inside where are the doors and they went um, we forgot to put doors on the Batmobile. <laughs> Slight oversight. So we don't know how to get in. So that's when they changed it to like the cockpit basically sliding open because that was the only way Ooh. they could figure out how to get him inside without completely rebuilding the Batmobile. Yikes. Well, it works. <laughs> it works. And I don't like it. That's the way Batman always gets in the Batmobile now. He always hops in the right. top. He never get just gets in a door anymore. That's too mundane for the Batman. Yeah, that's that's lame. That's what peasants do. <laughs> that's right. Peasants use doors. <laughs> uh, is this your favorite Batmobile? Uh, this is my favorite Batmobile. Yeah. Okay. I don't cool. think it's the most functional, but it is but aesthetically <laughs> it is it is my favorite. I think by the nature of the Batmobile, it should not be functional. <laughs> like no. it should be really extra. I mean, this guy's if, if your car is named the Batmobile. Like, you know, yeah. I don't, my, my car is not the Toyota mobile or something like that. You yeah. know, <laughs> you're no longer humble once you call it the Batmobile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is correct. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, we've covered, like I said, a lot of Tim Burton on this, on this podcast, uh, specifically Christopher has come on a lot since he's one of his biggest inspirations. And we've talked about, you know, Ed Wood, we've talked about Beetlejuice, um, would love to talk about Pee-wee sometime. That's one of my favorites. Pee-wee's um, one of your favorites? That's that's on the Yes. That's a lower one for me. Sleepy Hollow is oh the my top God. for me. I think you don't get much better than the two Batmans and Sleepy Hollow. I think those are like his his peaks. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I think I'm seeing so we're different types of Tim Burton fans then. Because I think for me it's like his Ed Wood, Beetlejuice, uh, you know, Pee-wee, and then like Edward Scissorhands is probably like the most gothic I'll, I go. I, I will watch the other ones and I enjoy them. But my peaks were when I think when he leaned heavier on comedy. 
I I think I think that's actually that's really smart of you. I he's not given enough credit for being funny because Ed Edward Scissorhands I think is in that I think like with those other um with those other oh, films sure. that I mentioned and it might actually be Edward Scissorhands might actually be his best film and uh It's a really good movie. It's it's beautiful and but it's hilarious. It's absolutely yeah. hilarious. And yeah. that's that's where it gets you with the heart-wrenchingness too. It does for sure. But I love like the other ones as well. I I just I I feel like he's become I don't know, it's like we do this thing with directors, right, where if they're not consistently putting out our favorite movie ever, it's like they start getting pushed to the wayside or I almost feel like there's a stigma like I love Tim Burton and people are like, oh, okay, you're just really goth or something, you know, and it's like, no, it's I think it's more than that. But I think that that can happen sometimes when a director picks an aesthetic and sort of uses that so many times. Like, I think even like your Wes Anderson's or, you know, people. Directors mm-hmm. like that that are intentionally uh, yep. picking a yeah. style. I agree. Your um, your uh, Quentin Tarantino's or your yeah. even your Christopher Nolan's or anything like they all have a distinctive flair. And like if you say like, oh, my favorite yeah. director is Christopher Nolan, someone will be like, oh, what do you hate? Emotion. <laughs> what are you a cold dead robot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, yes, I am. Um, but yeah, it's like. I don't know. I just I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that I am a big fan of his. And I think sometimes people are a little too judgmental. Anyway, this podcast talks only about what we love. Right. So that is correct. We're Mm -hmm. going to show him the love. Um, As far as the cast, you know, this is such a great cast as well. Uh, I love Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne and Batman. What what's your take on where does he rank for you? Like with all the other Batmen? I think that he I Michael Keaton is one of the best. I don't know if he is the absolute best, but I think he's one of the best. Uh, his his Batman is great. He's stoic and um, kind of gruff without being off putting, uh, mm-hmm. and he knows how to work the shadows <laughs> um, correctly. He knows how to work the lighting, so like his eyes pop where they need to pop, <laughs> which I always think yeah. Is, funny um <laughs> it is <laughs> uh uh and so uh, his bruce wayne can sometimes be a little too aloof even when he's not supposed to be if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and so like i don't know if michael keaton's uh, bruce wayne is like the the mega genius that is bruce wayne and batman but i think he is but i think that he makes it all work together so well that I haven't the only other the only other Bruce Wayne Batman combo that I feel as comfortable about is is saying that is actually Ben Affleck who like b- kind of brings it all together and does mm-hmm. like does the three distinctive parts of of Batman uh, of Bruce Wayne really well like and I loved Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne but his Batman was strange to me off-putting it's very it's very <laughs> off-putting he breathes through he like breathes through his mouth and the voice is weird and like i just never get a sense of real danger with him but i mm-hmm. like when when michael keaton is in the costume even when he's not even when he's kind of just thinking in a chair 
Like he's <laughs> it's like my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. He's just because just... it's so oh it's so much. I'm like, yes, I love the th- the idea that he's just sitting and waiting for that signal to turn on. That's very dark. I oh, love you're it. talking about Batman Returns? I know. <laughs> oh yeah, just, I'm thinking uh, Batman yeah, Returns. Yeah, Sometimes just... they blend together for me a little bit. <laughs> they do. They do. But I mean he does a lot of thinking in the chair. Like he sits in the Batcave and just thinks about stuff and but he makes that really compelling and I think that's yeah. that's an important like Keaton was cast for a lot of reasons, but Burton specifically says he cast him for his eyes because mm-hmm. there's something dangerous about the way that Keaton can project himself through his eyes. And I think that he feels like a force of nature that could stand up to Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I think there's an intensity to to him, to Michael Keaton, that not a lot of the other... Uh, people that portrayed Batman have like certainly not Val Kilmer's or George Clooney's, you know, no. um, he's, he's an intense, he seems like an intense person. And then the, the weird part about him, I think is he looks so intense, but yet he was like a comedian, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's kind of a cool duality in and of itself. Um, but I think for me, he's probably like number two. Now I'm going to go different from your choices and say that for me, I actually love Christian Bale uh, both as Wayne and Batman and I think the reason why I like him is the same reason why I like Keaton they did slightly modify the character of Bruce Wayne to where he's a little bit more intense and he's <clears throat> more aloof and I kind of like that because I kind of like this like eccentric billionaire that leads two lives but he can't completely switch between the two personalities all the way mm-hmm. and I feel like that's like maybe a more realistic take on the character Whereas I think people like, you know, Ben Affleck, he's basically the exact same Batman that's in like the animated series, which I feel like is closer to the comics, where he's like this, you know, good looking playboy that's really comfortable with people and funny. um, But then he's also Batman. And that's probably a starker contrast between his two personalities. But I think for, for whatever reason, maybe because this was the first Batman I saw, you know, before the comics. Um, I like this version of, of Bruce Wayne and Batman. I think that's a really, I've never really thought about it as being more realistic that he really can't completely separate his duality out. Like he has this big conversation with Vicki Vale or tries to about how he's like, you know how <laughs> someone just like they get up and they go downstairs and they kiss somebody goodbye and go do a job you know and she's like no i have no idea what that's like and like did you watch leave it to beaver as a kid vicky like anything like, uh, like poor um, vicky vale in this movie i know i know i we could talk about we'll talk about her too um <laughs> but i think you're right that like he just can't you believe that this bruce wayne needs to dress up like batman if that makes sense like yeah you know, like uh, I think like Christian Bales or Ben Affleck, like they do it because they can. But I think that Michael Keaton has to. He He's ha- about to like run out of the room right now and put it on. Like that's he- how he acts the whole movie. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Except when he's like going in the wrong direction for things. Well, I think this way, sir. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, right. OK, yeah. Um, and it's like uh, and I like that Bruce Wayne where because you just like he's like he's an eccentric billionaire. And he, yeah. he works with that. But even when he's not around people, he's still a slightly eccentric billionaire. And you're right. I do. Mm-hmm. I do dig that. And I don't re- I've never really thought about that as realism. But I think you're I think you're correct. The most realistic movie we could have picked. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so 
do you want to kind of dive into some of your favorite scenes and then we'll kind of bring up some of the other actors while we talk about that? Yeah, man. Absolutely. Okay. Um, All right. The opening, I think the opening uh, after the credits, which I kind of love that, like the, you know, the labyrinth of the bat symbol for the credits. That's, that's yeah. real fun. Um, but I think the, the first establishing shot of Gotham City, the matte painting, up until the credits at the end is just my favorite scene, really. Uh, it just mm. really works for me as one big scene. Uh, I, no, I think the introduction of Batman is really smart because it, it, it it's the movie sets it up almost like you're going to watch the origin of Batman right, yeah. right in the start. Because, you, you know, you have the parents, and you have the kid. And if you are listening closely, you realize that, like, that's those are not the Waynes because they have different names. But it it looks like the origin of Batman and then, and and he is there to kind of, he looms over the city on a rooftop. One of the only times he's on a rooftop this entire movie. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, wow. He, he does not stalk Gotham on the rooftops in this movie nearly as much as he does in Batman. Returns. <laughs> he's more on the, uh, on the ground, on the streets, Batman. He's is a, on the streets in the car kind of Batman. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, but I love that here he is take it's not all super crime it's here he is taking out two thugs who hurt a family and he's going to st- and he's going to stop them and send a message at the same time and i think that his entrance is beautiful it's wonderfully shot it's creepy and kind of like kind of a joke all at the same time like there are these guys and there he is with his cape open like he's dracula (laughs) ready to suck their blood and you either you're either all in or all out at that exact moment right agreed and i love the way the bad guys are in this movie the way that they stayed for such a long time in so many movies where they're this weird punk hybrid it's like were people just really afraid of punks it, it seems so oh yes the 80s unrealistic yeah. like yeah. but it's, it's like punks they're dressed weird that scares me yeah but yeah it's like they're always they always look the same in these movies and i it's like when i see this i'm like oh yes this what this did come out in 89 after all mm-hmm. that move that man's wearing a denim jacket with boots he must be a punk yeah yeah that's it's the- like they all look like they came out of like a uh, the warriors or something yes except tamer. yes a lot tamer absolutely but still frightening mm-hmm. usually with boom boxes yeah yes. um yeah no i agree the first scene is really good and yeah it's like if, if you listen they i think the dad's name is like harold or something like that which yeah. really mm-hmm. you know they changed some names in this movie so it could you could still be like well maybe it's the parents but then they they're okay and uh, then Batman comes in. It's like, yeah, that's such a nice way to nod his origins. And, you know, he touches on him later, but it doesn't like start out with his origins. Yeah, it I like that. Starts out with him being Batman already. Yeah. There is something real fun about him watching the crime happen and not stopping <laughs> it, which I think is all, which is kind of funny. Like, because yeah. he's looming over the, like, the building. He, like, see, sees it happen because you see that the matte painting and you see him, like, you know, like move in from the shadow move as his first introduction. And like he like you, you that family could have died. You you want to jump down there? And... <laughs> he really plays with fire. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He <laughs> he's biding his time. Um, he, he took a he took a guess that that family was actually not in terrible danger. But... <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that family thought about it later. They're like, oh, I'm so glad he. But wait, how long was he there? That's right. Oh. Why was he sitting there for so long? Not helping me. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, Dark. Yeah, but I think the between that and the just the on Batman, which is such an 
iconic line, you know, now you just, it's everywhere. And that's because oh, of I know. this movie. The original script, it was I Am the Knight, was the original line. Um, Which does sound sillier. It, it, it sounds... <laughs> I am the knight. Yeah, but 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 who are you? It doesn't really answer my question, man in a bat costume. You yeah, know, and it, like, it makes him seem less knight? unstable, right? If instead of this weird, I am the knight, he's just like I'm Batman. Duh. Yeah. Like yeah. you can tell by the cow. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. I came up. I worked shop this name with Alfred. We spent many hours in the Bat Cave. You know, coming up with different versions of my name. <laughs> Batman yeah. was just the simplest, easy to remember. You know, <laughs> branding, yeah, branding is important. <laughs> um, what about you? What's a what? A, what's one of your favorite? What one of your favorite scenes? Hmm, there's so many, but um, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's something that I want to discuss. Okay, uh, and that is the character of Vicky Vale, who, as a child, I detested. And as an adult, I now feel sorry for her. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But there is a through line between this one and the second movie of women being treated terribly, like horribly. And that's not in any of the other Tim Burton movies. So I have to think it's some weird commentary on, I don't know, the genre, on action movies. And what I mean is, you know... I mean, they they make it clear that the the guys are being creepy, but like when we are introduced to her, it's like a shot on her legs and then uh, they introduce her, the guy that she came there to see and she's like a photographer and he's like a writer, uh, you know, for the press and um, he's just so creepy to her and everyone is, the whole movie, Joker some points even Bruce I, um, and and the second movie was like that too, mm-hmm. but like none of Tim Burton's other movies does that ever happen? It's not like a hallmark of his that everyone's like, oh, look at this babe, you know? <laughs> so I have to think, like, I wonder what the reason for that was. It's a great. It's a great uh, question. It, it's funny that, like, as a kid, Vicky really meant nothing. Like, she was just kind of yeah. there. She was um, very annoying. I was like, oh, she screams all the time. She and does. he saves her a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is she there? <laughs> yep. But now I'm kind of like, there's a reason. And yeah, I just have to wonder, is it a commentary on, you know, the way female characters are treated in comics? Or I, I'd like to know more about that. Um, I I don't think Tim Burton is a big enough comic fan to make a commentary on <laughs> on women That's in comics true. at this, like, at this juncture. Uh but I do think it might be a slight commentary on women in action movies, period. Mm, because, she, yeah. because she is kind of this, like, she, she starts off as this, like, strong, independent working woman, right? She's a war photographer, right? She was just in the Cordo Maltese, which is a nice Dark Knight Returns Easter egg. Um, oh. And she's in, like, this war in Cordo. She's, like, like shooting, all this, shooting all this stuff during the war. And they come, and she comes back. She talks to Alexander Knox, who I kind of love in his Robert Wool <laughs> way. Um, and, you know, and he's like, you know, you know, can I buy, uh, buy me lunch? And she's like, nope. You know, and, like, all this stuff. She's there for the job. And it's not until she goes on a date with Bruce that she starts to, like, she starts to become, like, the woman in distress as opposed to the strong female empowerment of, like, third wave feminism in the 1980s. Because that's what I feel like she starts as in that first scene where here we are objectifying her and she fights it. Right. She fights it immediately. She's like, I'm not interested in your sexual innuendo, man. I just met. I'm just here for I'm here for the job. I'm here for Batman, you know, stuff like that. 
and and she does nosedive after her after she sleeps with <laughs> after she sleeps with Bruce. And then she's like, I "Can't believe I slept with you." Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like it's one of those things where when I was younger, I never noticed it at all. And, and now that I'm older, I watch it. and I'm like, man, it's, you know, abhorrent now. Right. Like you would never talk to nobody would ever talk to someone at their job and say any of those things. Nope. It's clearly bad. But I feel like and in this movie, it might be a commentary, but it's also like just funny. Right. It's kind of like uh, it feels harmless or it felt harmless back then. What we would not call harmless now. So I think that's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's like it, it felt like they had such an opportunity for her character, but really it goes nowhere. Um, but I don't dislike her now. That's my character growth is that now I'm like, well, they just didn't give her enough to do. I mean, she's not Catwoman like in the second one, you know, right. with Michelle Pfeiffer, right. um, who has a little bit more of an arc. Um, and so I, I, I'm OK with that. I can like enjoy her performance a little bit more now than when I first saw this movie yeah. i think because she does kind of get into the thick of it you know like she does get wrapped up right you know like she's rescued yeah. by batman several times and all this stuff but <laughs> you know like by the third act of the movie she's in there like taking pictures of people dying in the streets as joker is like unleashing his wave of terrorism across gotham and instead of just running away and hiding she's like she's in it like her like that yeah. war correspondent thing kind of kicks in again and mm-hmm. then and then she like even though she's kidnapped, which again, so like then it, like we bring her back to the like we like she takes a step forward, and she goes a few steps back, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, it's probably mostly the eighties yeah, at this point. <laughs> but then she does like the super eighties movie thing of using her like like feminine sexuality to, wiles, the, to yeah. distract the Joker, <laughs> like which I definitely did not get as a child. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, the way that the Joker treats her, it, it's like the way that the penguin is in the second movie. Oh, yeah. You're like, dear Lord, this is super creepy. Yeah. But yeah, I did not notice that at all as a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except at least with I the, was pe- blissfully at least with, unaware. At least with the penguin in Batman Returns, like you're never on his side for what he's, <laughs> the way he's saying things, doing it. And nobody in the movie is like agreeing that what he says is a good idea. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. we're supposed to look at that and go, ew, no, stop that right yeah. now. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it, it's, all that stuff is very, very interesting. Uh, I I never really loved the character of Vicky Vale a whole lot mm-hmm. in the comics either. Um, she's just one of those characters that just doesn't seem to have a whole lot going on yeah, she, other than she's a reporter. Yeah, usually. She, she's Lois Lane Light, I think. And that's, you know, that's kind of like she's Vicky's supposed to be like. Batman's Lois right and yeah and she never really reaches that she never especially in this film she never really reaches that level of um I don't know equality I guess the film the the script kind of always backs her down a few pegs but I think that Kim Basinger does a really good job with what she's oh yeah this is not a, a hit against her I mean she's really good in the role uh that she's playing um and yeah she's she's awesome she nothing she's doing is causing it but yeah she's kind of uh the character feels sort of bond girlish right of like Mm. okay we could do another movie and she wouldn't be in it and she's not um so it it feels a little like that i think that's Um, true yeah i do like that she gets mentioned in batman returns though in which like you know like you know that that he talks to bruce talks to selena about like they had irreconcilable differences and you know basically <laughs> she doesn't like that he's batman and he does so and that's that's reasonable 
that's an adult relationship. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a great character arc, the character does, in the Telltale games. Yes. Yes, she does. That's really mm-hmm. awesome. And I don't want to say more because if you have to play the game first, but mm, it's that, maybe that'll, that's the maybe. I was like, this is the first time I like this character. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. But you know what? That's that's OK. Like we said, the, yeah. she's given she she does well with what she has to work with. I mean, this is yeah. she, I mean, this is the the part where you just have to show up in the bat cave and say like we're gonna try to love each other you know like yeah. that's you know she she made that work as best she could and um but i think that's probably the the biggest flaw of the film is the mm. is the um the boys club nature of the movie yeah and i think that's just how comic movies were you know i just think it's, it's like how movies were not even just yeah yeah that's true <laughs> there weren't that <laughs> many point. comic book movies at this time to like point like it's like superman and those sequels, and then Batman. You know, that's pretty much it's <laughs> pretty much all you get. Yeah, the focus was definitely on Batman and the Joker in this movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe more so the Joker. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about that because, like, okay, we we, let's so, do it. we talked that like, that first scene. We said like, oh, it's a good nod towards Batman's origin, but you don't really dive into it except in a flashback. Right. But then the Joker. This whole movie is about the rise of the Joker. Uh, mm-hmm. And how like Batman's already present to stop him, which I like, but then yeah. in its in its own way. But you're right. But that means that Batman's pretty much already fully formed as a character. He actually doesn't really have anywhere to go because he he already knows. You already know from the first scene to the last scene that Bruce Wayne already knows that he has to stop crime and he he has to fight the that he has to fight it in all its forms and he's going to do whatever it takes to succeed. You know that right from the beginning. And mm-hmm. and he doesn't really learn anything along the way. He doesn't go on a journey himself and um and except that maybe he treats Vicky poorly and um <laughs> But Jack goes through an entire arc. He he's this yeah. this mobster who is already already has a lot of screws loose, and falling into a vat of acid is really just a great excuse <laughs> to let loose. Yeah, I okay. So you know we've talked alluded to a little bit about it. Really feels like Tim Burton's focus in this movie. He was like, all right, I'll do a Batman movie, but I'm going to talk about the Joker. Um, and you're right. He does have way more of a character arc. And, you know, I, I don't know what their age differences are, but at least as a kid, I always thought of the Jokers being older mm-hmm. than, you know, than Bruce Wayne. Um, and I kind of like that because I think it makes him a little more intimidating. And I also like that we get so much gangster in this film. I like the Joker being a gangster. I think I'm most comfortable when that's his origin. And I like the fact, like you said, that he starts out being a bad person because I think I have trouble when it's like the origin is like, oh, he was such a good person. And then all this bad stuff happened to him. And that's why he's bad. And it's like, yeah, but is that, I I don't like that. I don't want to feel too bad for him. Number one. Right. Uh, And then number two, I want it to be believable. It's kind of like in, you know, I keep comparing because it's Jack Nicholson, like in The Shining, what works for me about that movie is that he's already an alcoholic, you know, man mm-hmm. that has an abusive past. And then he goes crazy and tries to kill everybody. It's not 100% his fault because there's a, you know, spooky house that made him do it. But 
he was already a bad person, so you, or, or at least struggling with that. So that when that character change happens, it's way more believable and it's more frightening. So I think with like this movie, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, it's kind of the same thing. He's already a low-level gangster who's working for... Is it Falcone? Falcone? No, it's Boss Grisham, which is kind oh, of Grisham. like... It, it, Falcone wasn't a character when oh. when Batman 89 came out um or uh, actually I can I actually I I might Yeah he was he created for the first. cartoon? Uh or, Falcone yeah, was created for Batman Year 1. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. Which came out in February to May of 1987. So the movie was already in full cuz the in movie production. came out in 87, so like the movie was already filmed by the time that the character Falcone appeared in comics for the first time. So they, I see. Okay. So Jack Palance's great hammy gangster villain was, <laughs> yes. um, was, uh, yeah, just, um, was just for this movie. Yeah. And, and I think I like to, you know, when you think of like the rogues gallery, like Batman's original baddies, Oh, I mean, they're mostly gangsters and I like that. I don't like when they stray too far from that. I mean, I'll accept it. I mean, I loved Heath Ledger's interpretation, but I just like, I like this one probably the best. Um, and yeah, that's all I have to say. I kind of trailed off there, but you know what no, I mean. No, I, I, um, I was gonna, I didn't want to, I, I keep jumping over you, so I don't want to do no, that. No, you don't. So I, so I was letting you, tra- I was We're both just trail. very excited. I know. <laughs> I wanted to let you trail. I agree. I, I, I like when I don't sympathize with the Joker because he's, evil right i don't mind sympathizing with the penguin or or catwoman or yes. dr octopus and <sighs> spider-man 2 or you know but but not or everybody mr. Freeze not even. yeah even mr freeze actually mr freeze is a great example of a sympathetic villain uh yes but, yeah very much yeah, so and in pretty much any version from the from the 90s onward because that's where the you know his the wife origin came into play yeah but um i the joker is just evil and like and and so as much as the killing joke is a is a great graphic novel it's a great piece of of comic history and it's really well told and i i like in that story joker says and then he they quote it in the dark knight in that like his his past is multiple choice it can be a lot of different things he doesn't remember he doesn't know so maybe he was a maybe he was a struggling comedian that had a string of bad luck and became the joker or maybe he's just always been a terrible person your example of the shining i think is pretty poignant because in the movie the shining you 100% believe that Jack Nicholson is going to murder his family before they even get to the Overlook Hotel, right? That's, yeah. Oh, he heard it on the television, right? You know, like, oh, yeah. they're all going to die. You know, that's the feeling that... <laughs> they're being trapped with a madman, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the feeling you have right from the beginning. But if you if you read, if you read the book, he right. is like he has done he struggles with alcoholism and, you know, and all and abuse and like all these things, but he is trying his best to be the best person he can be and the hotel just takes him and eats him alive and that's Mm -hmm. and so you get those two different versions so in a weird way like the book is the killing joke for the joker where you're like (laughs) you know the acid the you know axis chemicals ace chemicals whatever you want to whatever version eats the joker inside out and this movie is kind of like shining the movie he's just a bad person and he will always be a bad person and i like I again, I'm with you. I loved Heath Ledger's portrayal as the Joker. I think it works for that movie. 
It's very yes, yeah. it's like it's very particular for that version of events of these characters. And this Jack Nicholson is a supervillain. He is right. a bad person. He's got a weird plan and he's going to cause terror in the city. But it's all just slightly fantastical. And mm-hmm. and I think that's it almost makes his version of the Joker a little more timeless because yeah. the mob is the mob is the mob. It's always it's going to be there. And and then you just add supervillainness on top of it. And I I, yeah. I, I I love I love his Joker. Yeah. And I think he's slighted enough to, you know, uh, put in a bad situation where they hoped he would die mm-hmm. and then he comes back. And so it's not like you're sympathetic for him, but you're like, I get it. Like he's mad, you know, yeah. he, mm-hmm. his face got all screwed up and he almost died and that made him angry. Right. And so it's like, not that I feel bad for him, but I'm like, well, it makes sense that he would go back and wipe everybody out. So it kind of makes his motives a little clearer too, which, you know, depending on how you feel about that character, maybe you like that, maybe you don't. But it certainly makes an easier character to follow. And I like the fact that Batman created him, you know, mm-hmm. but unintentionally. He had the best of intentions. He's fighting crime. But really, I mean, the opening scene is him like beating up two, you know, almost harmless thugs. And then <laughs> it's escalated to now he's created the Joker. And I, I do like that concept, even though it's not how it typically is in the comics. I just I like that he unintentionally you know creates the joker yeah i mean in the comics mostly actually from the killing joke um, oh that's onward true. he actually always usually does create the joker by accident um <laughs> and so it's always a big whoopsie which is why they're like they're always tied together in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but you know or you could go the original origin you know where he just like like the dark knight and he just appears and no one knows why right. and he doesn't tell you anything about it and that's and you know and that's that um, and I, I like I like both for different for different reasons. But I, I love that sometimes Batman causes his own problems, not all the time, you know, but but sometimes, you know, like in uh, Batman Begins, they at the end, the final scene, they talk about escalation, you know, and like, you know, they you know, they're you know, you go from clubs and they carry guns and then they you buy semi-automatics and they buy automatics and it goes and it goes and goes. And now Batman's fighting crime in a costume so everybody's going to rise to meet that level yeah i feel like if in this movie if batman didn't create the joker and like jack still fell into that chemical vat he probably wouldn't have escalated to the level that he is as the joker (laughs) like yeah and so but like he really does rise to meet the occasion because he's slightly eccentric already right he already wears the purple suit as as this guy he plays with the playing cards and he's got that great scene with Eckhart one of my favorites right after yeah Knox talks to Eckhart you know you know like is you know how much he pulling down after taxes after that scene and they have Eckhart has this confrontation with Napier you know and Jack talks about like you know you got to think about the future you know you know and he doesn't have motives yet he's not like He's he's not moving to take out Grisham, right? He's content to wait until the the empire becomes his, um, right? And you know, and hopefully, but but Grisham, kind of like Batman, causes his own undoing, right? He is he helps create the Joker because he tries to move things along, and yeah, yeah, I, I like that Joker. Like you said, he's mad. Like he was he was pretty happy. He was doing okay, and and everybody basically screwed him over and now he's going to take revenge out on everybody. 
Yeah, and I feel like, you know, the concept of these mobsters, they're already very scary because, you know, they they take out all these people and they're, you know, criminal organized businessmen. So it kind of makes sense to pick a character like that. The worst version of that is that they're the supervillain. Like, I think that kind of makes the audience that maybe didn't read all the comics sort of go along with it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, too, because this is we're still... This is definitely an era of like, how much can we get away with? You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. how much? Of yeah, how many tights can we put on people? Right. I mean, like, and the I think Batman's costume is a great example of that, where they were like, we have to make it look like body armor, but still make it look like this thing. And now we've gone way past, you know, making it look like a costume. <laughs> and now it just looks like <laughs> somebody slapped a bat sticker on their chest, and okay, it's it's the bat costume now. <laughs> Um, it's just very a, true. It's just paintball armor, and here's a little sticker. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But I, um, speaking of the costumes, though, like this, the Batman costume changed co- superhero costumes in movies forever because yeah. you know the Superman with Chris Reeve, he was literally just wearing tights like they would on TV, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then you have Batman come out with his, you know, with his, uh, you know, his immovable neck. And his, you know, <laughs> it's so the, obvious his, now. Oh, it's so funny. He like bends his whole back to look up. Like, yeah, that actually that <laughs> kick that Michael Keaton delivers in the opening scene where he kicks the guy through the door. Um, yeah, he pulled his hip out when he did oh, that. God. He said it was like a thousand rubber bands pulling your leg back when you tried to That's move in that thing. Terrible. I know. I know. Hip problems forever just because of that scene. Yuck. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I, you know, and it makes a lot of sense, right? If the first superhero movie you make is Superman, I mean, he doesn't need armor. He's nope. an alien that can do whatever he wants. So, of course, he can just wear an outfit and mm-hmm. it can look wacky because he's from another planet. But for Batman, you know, he's a person and uh, he's not, you know, impenetrable. So he's got to have armor on. It kind of it, it makes a lot of sense why he would go that route with that character it's true and you i know, like why would he wear tights it, it doesn't make sense no it doesn't <laughs> and and i like that the film kind of plays into the ambiguity of it for a long time where the like oh yeah they shoot him and he gets back up again and you know like all this stuff and they're like oh it's halfway through they're like oh it's body armor like there is like a mystique to this to the batman of gotham city and they they just yeah, don't like how's he doing it yeah. how is he doing it right and i i, I think that's really cool it does the suit itself does look very cumbersome like on retrospect when you (laughs) when you watch but i think when it works it really works though on screen yeah they do a good job of and it makes sense again it just happens to make sense for this character but by shooting him a lot in shadow or at night you know you don't get a good look at him which plays into the mystique of batman and you know he usually operates in, in a darker area but any if it were any other character, you'd be like, I can't, I can't see him. Can I, can I see him? Mm-hmm. But it's like then it would look bad, yep. <laughs> right? So it just happens to work out for that particular character. Yeah, there was a um, uh, uh, Billy Zane's The Phantom. Have you ever seen it from the mid nineties? Uh, uh no, I, I I've seen like clips of it, oh. but I've never sat down and watched it. It's actually really fun. It's like good pulpy fun. So if you like if you like Indiana Jones and superheroes. I would recommend it. That would be okay. like my my two cents. But they, the the Batman costume had such an influence on all superhero movies that even for that movie that takes place in the 30s, and this guy in the jungle, they were like, "We're going to make you a sculpted, like phantom suit 
just like Batman. And Billy Zane was like, how about I work out and I you put me in tights so like all my hard work doesn't go to waste and it looks better. Uh, and it looks more like the original character. And they're like, mm, okay. But like, <laughs> it went that even Superman movies from the 90s and early 2000s that never got made, like all those sculpts, they all had like Batman style Superman armor where they had like sculpted mm. muscles. And, it, and to your point, like Superman doesn't need that. He's Superman. Yeah. But um, yeah, but I do love the costume. The belt is cool with it like sliding, yes. with everything slides. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is, it is. Do you have another scene that you're thinking of? Um, I do love. This is another Joker scene. Um, okay. Um, I love the the mob meeting when he like has the oh my gosh the yes. skin the skin mascara paint on like it's with the with the buzzer and like all that. So like it's classic Joker, but it's like oh I recognize this Joker. He's got a hand buzzer, but then he kills the guy. And then he talks to his corpse afterward. And I was like, this guy Scared is messed up. the mm-hmm. hell out of me as a child. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, to death. Indelible mark. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And I, I think Nicholson bridges the gap between who he was and what he is now really well in that scene. And plus, it's there's just something about his performance where it is scary. It is terrible. But you're like, but it's Jack Nicholson. It's fine. I'm okay with seeing mm-hmm. this character do these things. You know what I mean? Like, there's that weird. Um, I'm enjoying watching this. That's right. There's just a, a one. There's just a hint of camp, and, mm-hmm. and that part of that might be the aesthetic of the film. You know, you have this. You know, like this, um, slightly hyper real version of the world where it's the 30s but it's also 1988 and you know and and so like because (laughs) you feel that this world is not real right that like it's fake on purpose idea that it's okay to watch this guy burn to a crisp because (laughs) because it's not real i know it's not real right yeah i think he does enough subtle nods to romero a little bit just a little bit to where it's like, yeah, I can, I can, I can see the camp here, and I'm not, I'm not too, mm-hmm. too terrified of this guy. Um, I love, I love that scene. Yeah, um, it's so good, it, and because it does echo to like you know your typical like mob meeting, and then usually it ends with like a Tommy gun to everybody or something, you know. But mm-hmm. this time it's the Joker and it's a hand buzzer, and that's more fun. It is, um, yeah. So. It's more. It's just more. Fu- <laughs> it's just more fun because he does go the classic mob route when you first see him as the Joker, like the, when he like confronts Grisham, which is also a great scene, you know, he like starts as Jack. And then when he's revealed outside of the shadow, he's full Joker. And that's yeah. what, that's, that's when he starts laughing. That's what, like he's shooting the gun, even though Grisham's dead in two shots, he's like still firing the gun. He's hitting the window. He's over his back under his leg. And he's just, it's like a full transition into crazy. Uh, yeah yeah i love that actually and the the surgery scene before that when like it's well i have that one's so good (laughs) i i like it's like i almost forget about this scene like when i think about this movie and then when you watch it again you're like this is awesome like this should be in every movie with the joker because it's super unnerving Mm -hmm. and it's cool to think you know like when this came out it was the first time we saw that kind of thing because i feel like by now we have gotten versions of that. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, one funny thing Nick said last night when we were watching it, um, <laughs> he said that it always makes him think of a Simpsons episode where uh, 
where Maggie, no, not Maggie, Lisa gets braces. Yes. And then she's like, yes. let me see the mirror. And then she breaks it. And I'm like, that's really funny. I, I like that. Yeah, I got to go that's a, back and watch that. That is a full, that's a full <laughs> on Simpsons parody right there. It's I really good. I love that. The um, tools on the plastic surgeon's table are the uh-huh. tools from Little Shop of Horrors, the dentist's oh, tools. Oh, that makes me love it even more. I adore that movie. Yeah, that's cool. That's good stuff. It's that's good really stuff. cool. Mm-hmm. And I like how the scene leaves with like, I just am convinced that poor doctor, surgeon, whatever, when he's like, you know, this is all I have to work with and you're at a shitty clinic. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. all, this is on you. Uh, but when he gets up, you're like, you think he's going to kill me? He just laughs and just leaves. And I, I I, like that randomness of him. Like, he's really cruel, but at the same time, it's like, in this situation, he just gets up and goes. Yes. And it, so he keeps you guessing a little bit what, what he's going to do, yeah, I think. I agree. There is a, a random, like, he, there's a randomness to his decision making because you just can't, like, he's got a plan, right? He's extremely intelligent. He has a plan. But he wants you to think that he doesn't have one at the same time. It's like way, yeah. the way he talks to Bob every time. And you think, Bob's safe. Bob the goon is totally safe. And then he just shoots him <laughs> because he's like, he stole my balloons. Bob, like, why didn't you tell me he had one of those things? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think all that, all the Joker stuff just really, it plays out well for me i think we haven't talked about alfred at all in here oh alfred alfred michael goff is the best i love him adorable Um, he's he's an adorable alfred and you feel he's very sweet you know compared to like michael Caine or or you know jeremy irons or oh definitely compared to jeremy irons that's like a steely you know angry mom version of i think alfred uh, that i love too what i think is actually great i think that every alfred in every version of Batman on film, they complement each other really well. Like you can yeah. see this Alfred raising Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. You know, right. you can see the love and care. You can see where some of the personality of Christian Bale's plays in with Michael Caine and how they and how they interact. And same with Jeremy Irons and Bruce Wayne. Like you know, they become more steely or loving or nurturing or like whatever the case is, whatever their relationship is in each film. They they play off of one or and complement each other well. And this yeah, grandfatherly Alfred, the sassy grandfatherly Alfred. So cute. You, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I sense there's a certain weight that lifts when she's here. So, Alfred, Aww. why don't you marry her? Mm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Although Alfred is decidedly not cool about when Bruce spends the night with Vicky and she's like, I'll see you when you get back. And he's like, back, we're going to be here for quite a while. I'm like read the room, <laughs> Alfred. Like, don't you, yeah. like, you know, she's doing the walk of shame. Don't make her feel worse than, than she already feels. Like, <laughs> it's a real judgy Alfred. Yeah. Like, Oh, not read the room. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, I, I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right that Alfred um becomes whoever you know bruce wayne needs him to be depending on the version and that's that's really nice um and and i love this version of him me too i uh i think he 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 balances like the proper 
butlery nature of Alfred well yeah with his like mm-hmm. OCD sort of attention to cleaning <laughs> yeah right well because like Bruce like that opening scene where like Bruce is putting the pen in the in the the bush and then he puts the glass on the pool table and it's gonna fall over and Alfred's just there picking up after him like mm-hmm. all, I, I, I think it's like great. Downton Abbey level of like you know, yeah it's Carson treating the job Carson yes, level, Carson, yes. level yeah that's great <laughs> Oh man, he'd be a great Alfred. Talk about gruff and he ready. He would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be intimidating. Intimidate. That would be an intimidating yeah. Alfred. I agree. Yeah, those scenes work strong. I think those scenes work really. Um, every scene with Alfred works well. Um, well for me, I think actually the first two thirds of this movie is like strong. Like throughout every scene that they deliver is just yeah. is really on point. I think the Axis Chemical fight and run like in Batman just like showing up out of nowhere all over the place yeah like like emerging from the shadows is is really well executed because he couldn't move very well so it's nice to see him um utilized in a way that like you believe that this is how he would actually be fighting yeah it's kind of one of those things where they had to work around something and it ends up working for the film Mm -hmm. you know sometimes those constraints make you creative and it i think it influenced how we see batman you know popping out of the shadows a lot uh going forward how do you feel about the Batcave in this movie there's a lot of Batcaves out there now in the film world what how does this one rank for you oh i you know what this is like kind of like the batmobile you know how like everybody focuses on certain things i guess maybe i haven't thought about the cave a whole lot um i like it i guess i don't really focus enough on the Batcave to have a favorite Mm. it reminds me of the one in the cartoon and i guess that's the one that i've seen the most Mm -hmm. but you know what why don't you tell me what you think because i feel like you have more thoughts on it (laughs) 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 i I really like this cave i like the like it looks like a cave and i think that's important i think that's important like uh yeah you know sometimes you can go too far i think like the nolan films and the first and third like it's a cave and he's got, a cave, he's got like a table then, in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like the outside of it looks like a cave. But the closer you get inside, you're like, oh, we're now in a room with a cave aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. But that, like this is literally a cave. Yeah. OK. I see what you're saying. I like the Yeah. I think like uh, Batman v Superman and Justice League, like it's it, it's certainly a cave, but he's like built a room in or rooms inside the cave. And while that's functional, like the bat, like future Batmobiles, I prefer form over function. And for these types of things, you know, like he's already dressing up like a, like a giant bat, like like let him hang <laughs> out in a cave. And right. So- because otherwise it's kind of like, you know, arrows, uh, the green arrows, little quiver. Bunker. Well, I yeah. can't, bunker. The quiver, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they made that joke one time where they called it the quiver. So I, I think that was, uh, but- <laughs> uh, I think injustice. Or was that in Harley injustice? Qu- yeah, okay. Harley Quinn Harley calls it the it. quiver. She's like, why don't you call it the quiver? Um, or like Star Labs. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's that's believable like that there would just be a building that has a room in it where everyone hangs out and chats and decides and that's fine like you said a bunker uh but with batman's sake yeah i want it to be a cave now in bvs was that a cave or was that because wayne manor was burned down so weren't they kind of somewhere else yeah i can't remember he was still in a cave presumably under the house at the lake like so it was a different cave oh gotcha maybe. okay um, like a smaller cave it felt like smaller yeah somehow. and yeah. he um they built like concrete walls in where they would be so i'm sure it's like 
temperature controlled and like all these things that would Too make comfy. sense. Yeah, but it, yeah, <laughs> but like I want him hanging out in a giant cave. And I think that this okay, this one I like because it, you know it's got the layers, but there's like a lot of paneling in this one. Like they he actually uh-huh. like built walls out in this cave. Um, I see. Which is cool. I think the Batman Returns cave is probably the best one. It like combos all of those things where he is yeah literally just hanging out in a cave and he's got a bunch of computers and stuff downstairs. I enjoy that very much. Like you could almost picture the T-Rex and the big penny there. Exactly. Even though they're not there. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. And Michael Keaton's Batman is the Batman that I can definitely picture having a T-Rex just for the sake of having a T-Rex. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. If, 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 you know, if Nicolas Cage can have an octopus or a dinosaur skull, then this version of Bruce Wayne should have a giant T-Rex. I agree. <laughs> I am, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, yeah. Um, we didn't, we've kind of talked about the Batmobile, but not really. And um, this one's my, I love this one, even though it probably would be a horrible thing to actually drive in real life. Uh, right. Because the the front of the car is so large. Like, how do you how do you judge what's in front of you? Like, right. Park, <laughs> parking at parking at the grocery store would be atrocious. Like, uh, but Alfred can get the groceries. That's right. But I, I think in his rolls or whatever he does. Oh, it's a beautiful car. Alfred drives. <laughs> yeah. Alfred goes in style. He um, does. Yeah. But I, I like this. Well, how about you? Where do you where do, um, does it work for you in the context of this movie? It it really does in this movie, and it's probably the first. It may have been the first Batmobile that I've seen. See, I'm always going back and forth on this. You know, when you get into your younger years, it's kind of hard to remember what came first. Mm-hmm. I know that I saw like the Batman show, like the '60s show, also, but I don't know what the timeline was mm-hmm. of when I saw which one. Um, I actually like the more industrial ones that you see in the Nolan films. Mm-hmm. I like those a lot. I know some people don't, but I think those are really cool. I'm, I'm into those. Um, they're some of my favorites. Um, and then if I had to pick a second favorite, honestly, I'd go back to the 60s because I really like that retro, you know, hot rod looking mm-hmm. monstrosity. Um, I like those. So I'm kind of, it's like I want one extreme or the other, but I absolutely love this one too just because it's probably the first one that I saw. It, it makes me think of like, Six Flags and <laughs> the animated series. So yes, lots mm-hmm. of good memories tied to this version. Mm-hmm. Definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't you know criticize it. Yeah, I um I I do like the industrial Batmobiles, but mo- but when they have flair, if that makes yeah. sense. Like if you're again, like if you're already dressing up like a bat, just just <laughs> just give me just go a little bit further. Just like keep going. It's okay. Just go, be ostentatious. Agreed, yeah. It's okay. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I like the tumbler in the Nolan films is functional. Like as all get out. Like yep, that totally works. I that is a dangerous thing to drive. I get that. <laughs> yeah. But, but give me some bat. Give me some bat fins on there. Give me some wings. You know. Give, give, me, <laughs> give me some stuff. But you know what? Uh, every version, it, every vehicle works for the movie that they're in, and I think Agreed. like the tumbler yeah. would look silly in this movie. It would look like too much. Like you're fighting a clown man. You don't. You don't need that. Right. Right. You're. You're rescu- <laughs> I mean, you're pulling balloons out of the sky, man. Like you know, like yeah, you- yeah. Like the Joker in the Dark Knight. You know, you do feel like this guy is 
scary. I don't know what he's got going on. I need armor. But with, you know, the 1989, it's like, I mean, he's scary, but he's like a just a dude in a suit. You can take him, you know? Yeah, so it's like, right. yeah, you don't really want <laughs> Like, you can do this. <laughs> so, no, I completely agree. Mm. Um, now, okay, we've already talked a, about a lot of Joker scenes, but we haven't talked about the one of my favorites, which is like the um, art scene. <gasps> yeah, the art museum. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that part so much. I love his hat, his beret. And the dance he does. I just the, really like this scene. The Prince music. I think people yes. make fun of the Prince music, but you know what? I, it really works for me. And, yeah, me too. Yeah. And I mean, this is not the only movie to feature original songs by an artist specifically for a movie. Like, it's pretty no. right. Re- it's pretty regular. Um, it reminds me of also like a. The Robin Hood movie. What's the song for that one? Oh shoot, the Prince of Thieves. Oh talking God. about Prince of Thieves, right? I don't. I thought it. Robin, yeah, Robin I think Hood so. An American, Kevin Costner, the, right? Robin Kevin Hood. Costner. Yeah. Yeah. There's that one song, and it's just really fun to go back and look at the music video for it. But this is like, I feel like sort of that era of doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Where you don't see that as much anymore. But yeah, I love the Prince song. I. I love how over the top it is and how he's like knocking stuff over and they're like painting Joker faces on everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like this whole scene is sort of a, you know, Tim Burton commentary a little bit on like just being too uptight. Yeah. Yeah. I and Like he's like, wouldn't it be fun? He's like, art museums are amazing. It's history. But don't you kind of want to run in there with a paintbrush and just like make everybody mad? And it's like, yeah, a little bit. Yep. <laughs> yep. I agree. And I, I, I love that he stops Bob from actually defacing one where he's like, no, I like this one. So it's like this idea that like, <laughs> it's that randomness again, that anarchy where he's like, no, no, I, not all of them need to be just not all, not everything is worthy of defacement. You know, like some things actually transcend Joker. Uh, and I, <laughs> I enjoy that. I actually really even love the like splash of water and what he looks like with like the makeup streaked on his face and yeah like it's that. a nice touch it yeah. is very creepy and fun i watched this movie on um i made sure to watch this movie on my tv normally uh-huh. i just watch stuff on the ipad if i'm like doing some work or you know something like that just yeah kind of go back and forth but this for this i wanted to watch it in 4k on the nice tv and like all the stuff just so like because i haven't yet and so i was like this is a treat i want to see what it looks like i could not get over how brilliantly colorful some of his costumes were and th- and that yeah. includes like and that includes everybody really but his hat you said his beret it's so shiny and purple <laughs> and beautiful that you just don't get that Fabulous, when you're watching yeah. on you know like a you know a I don't know, Sony, like Sony TV from 1994 on VHS. Yeah. Like you just like the colors are all muted, but it's so bright. And like even some of the piping and some of his suits before he becomes the Joker is just mm-hmm. awesome. And like the textures too, because I feel that, you know, you could look at this, the the outfit he's wearing, you're like, it looks really cheap because he's got this like polyester orange mm-hmm on it and things like that but i feel like that's retaining the character where he's this kind of low level gangster and it's like even when he's becomes a super villain he sort of retains that like 
cheesy, cheapy, creepy uncle vibe. I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uncle. No, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> like your yep. seedy uncle that has a shady business. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So he kind of like keeps that. He doesn't become part of the elite. He doesn't become like a polished, cool version of the Joker. He's still like that. He's still in a different class, I think, than Batman and Bruce Wayne are. And there's there's just that like classism a little bit. Yeah, that's it. And there's probably some people out there listening to me. They're like, Lisa, please, please. Watch something besides Batman. <laughs> no, I, I think... You've gone I, too deep. No, but I'm, no. I will keep going. No, I, will I keep going. love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love... He's... Even if you just look at kind of like the, the different levels of, say, like classism inside the mob itself and to like yeah. what they wear and like... He, cause yeah, he, that's a good point. He doesn't wear like a sharp suit. He wears like this purple, cheap mm-hmm. looking, ugly... Yep. and he's kind of doing that before he's really the Joker, but he ups right. his love, he ups his game for it so much so that, but he loves that look so much that like he keeps the same coat and hat. He just has them purple now. Um, yeah, actually, the Joker hat is something for some reason that really works for me in this movie. I love his wide brimmed hat. Yes, I do too. It feels very like I don't know. It's like. Well, actually, I was going to bring this up, too. A lot of the fedoras that people wear in this movie are oversized. Or at least they look oversized. They don't look like the traditional ones. Is this like an 80s aesthetic thing, maybe? Like, you know, we had all the wide collars. I think it's a 30s aesthetic, actually. I think it's a mix. Okay, okay. Because the the big big fedoras... um, are a little bit older and they got smaller as the years went on. Like the, the brims would get smaller until we just stopped wearing fedoras altogether pretty much. Um, <laughs> just so, stop. <laughs> yeah, just travesty of fashion. Bring them back. Okay. Damn it. Men should wear hats. Um, I know. I love hats. Yeah, I Even though too. I criticized hats earlier with Johnny Depp, I don't, it's not for, you know, it didn't, I didn't mean all hats. You were criticizing Johnny Depp and the hats that Johnny Depp wears, not yeah, yeah. You're not a hattist, yeah. <laughs> I'm not against hats. No, or open, haberdasheries. Open more haberdasheries, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where my focus, my priority is right now. That's right. Um, yeah, I I uh, I agree. I love his hat. I I think yeah. Sometimes with the Joker, it's like we get too caught up with like what he's supposed to look like, or making him so over the top that it doesn't match like the movie mm-hmm. i think that might have been my problem with like uh you know suicide squad i've been overly vocal about that on twitter and received a lot of nasty comments but um i i like when the joker's aesthetic fits who he is and i think mm-hmm. in this movie it really fits him yes i and agree. i love a good hat so and yeah i agree i <laughs> i i'm i'm with you um and i we're not here to talk about Suicide Squad, and but I think that <laughs> I think that the personality of that version of the Joker does match some of the some of the stuff that he wears, but not all yeah. of it. And right, and so, but uh, um, that's a grimy Joker. If that makes yeah. sense, or, uh, I think Edge this Lord is, Joker. Yeah, Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about. We're not here. To talk no, about we're not. We're, we're, um, we're not. Here this is. I love that movie, Lisa. <laughs> right, <laughs> I, so, I actually do like that movie. Though. Uh, um, <laughs> well, we're here to talk about but, Batman '89. So yeah, um, yeah, I know I've derailed this a lot. No, that's <laughs> that is quite all right. I <laughs> I love tangents. So I um um I uh, want to talk about the the end. Actually, I think the cathedral okay. um f- sequence is works oh, yeah. for me really well. It was actually it was 
it would think it was influenced by Phantom of the Opera. I think like two of the producers went to see Phantom and they were like, Oh, Phantom's there and then and then Raul's there and Christine's there and they're like, We gotta have like a like a rooftop thing. So that's where the cathedral scene came from. Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I um I think if you're gonna make this gothic noir because that's kind of what it is right that's the mm-hmm. flavor that he's going for uh sure. in this film the mise-en-scene if we want to get technical um <laughs> and uh but I, yeah, I think you have to throw in a gothic cathedral like how like if you're gonna go Absolutely. if you're gonna go for it go for it go for the gargoyles because that's what these batman and the joker really look like when it comes down to it you know these grinning maniacal horned beings in yeah, something medieval about it, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, yeah, very much. Even Batman's sense of honor and duty and all that stuff. One thing yeah. about that scene that doesn't connect with me. So, like, Batman confronts Joker, and he's like, you know, you, you know, you know, like I made you, you made me first. And Joker immediately was like, I was a kid when I killed your parents. And I always think, like, how many people have you killed that you just like happen to know? <laughs> like who he is like did you connect the dots in the one second that you were given to like to that yeah and then also he's only got lips to work with (laughs) he's like i remember you as a child not wearing a bat costume you're the same guy yeah it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like it would work no, that that edition was purely Tim Burton. Actually, I think that the screenwriter oh. even like fought Tim Burton on it. He was like, "No, you can't do that. Uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not the point." And Tim Burton's like, mm, "Well, I'm gonna do it." Uh, and so, and I think it works for the movie because it makes their confrontation personal on two levels. You know, where they true. they have created one another and they're in this war with one another until Batman kills him, which you know, I'll let sit there. Um, but uh <laughs> no batman has never killed anyone what are you talking about what he definitely did not put a bomb in somebody's pants in batman returns and let them blow up absolutely not he would not not my batman wouldn't do that yeah. no i actually hate <laughs> that batman kills in every movie but because he does it in literally every one of every movie that i'm just like i'm over it if that makes sense where like yeah. i, I well, expect I live it's... action batman to kill even accidentally I think it's because, you know, you and I are fans, so we mm-hmm. get his anti-gun thing. We get his anti-kill thing. But I think from an outside perspective, particularly if you're not anti those things, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you just have a hard time wrapping your mind around it. Like, I have a friend, actually, I'm just going to call her out. <laughs> uh, my friend Kara is always like, why doesn't he just just kill him? Just kill that Joker. He's terrible. Just get rid of him. And I'm like, he can't. And like, we have these arguments about why he can't. Um, And so I think like a general audience has such a hard time with not seeing the bad guy just eat it. And and for Batman to have a hand in it, that I think that's why we see it so much in the movies. You know, it's hard for us to understand as fans, but I think the general audience just, in any other movie, they would do that. So they want to see it. (laughs) That's true. I, I think I would kind of put out there for those people too, that like, just because they dress up as like, just because they're superhero, that doesn't mean that they want to kill people. And I think that like, people always say like, why doesn't Batman just kill the Joker? I'm like, maybe because that like, he has a fundamental prop. Like, do you just want to murder somebody? 
and then <laughs> and then do you like you know like you're I mean, like yeah his biggest problem is all the crime and killing so if he goes out there and starts killing people then he feels he's contributing to that he is exactly he's one contributing to it he's then becomes just like them and but but three like people who like argue like oh batman should kill like that like argue with are you are you and like say that like anybody should be given license to kill then because right, he's that's... a vigilante he's right. operating outside the law to begin with so if he's also killing people obviously the police would be like oh okay this has gone a little the, too far this is too far he's able to mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he's able to sort of stay on the good side of the law by not doing that by right. giving them turning the guys over helping them with clues yeah otherwise he's just the punisher you know uh mm-hmm. and and so yeah, that's why Kara. I'm just kidding. No, she won't. She I, won't listen to this. And I just, I just, and I just think that like most people, like the majority of humanity, doesn't have the drive within them to want to murder people. Like you could, you could sometimes You'd be hope, like, oh, yeah. I could kill that guy <laughs> or something like that. But you, you, you're not really doing it, and you're not really considering it. And when you come down to it, you're probably not going to kill somebody. That's the way that we're built. And so, like, to give Batman that drive where he's like, yes, I want to murder, right. and then he does it, that, to me, he's not heroic anymore. Heroism uh, is doing the harder thing. Not the agreed. Easy thing. Agreed. I think it's kind of like you know, like some people have this idea of you know, if somebody comes on my property and they bust into my tool shed. I'm gonna get out there and shoot them or whatever. Right. And I'm always like, well, what if the person busting into your tool shed is a teenager? Well, right. I'm not gonna wait to find out. I'm like, well, you should, because yep. something bad could happen. That's correct. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think like most of us feel like, yeah, maybe we we know what it's like to be scared or want to defend ourselves. But we're not actively going out there seeking violence, you know. There's That's definitely correct. a line, and so we want our 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 Batman uh, to to not be violent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. to like you said, make tough decisions and go and show some restraint. Because I mean, he's already throwing a lot of restraint out the window with this whole Batman costume and his Batmobile and everything else. But yeah, it stopped the line somewhere, exactly. and killing is probably a good place to stop. <laughs> exactly. And now all that being said, he does in fact kill the Joker in this movie <laughs> and it works and doesn't work for me for one, all the okay. reasons that we said, but also like it's very personal for him in this case because yes. the Joker is is the reason in this case that he is now hanging from a cathedral, you know, hundreds of feet in the air. Like it, right. it's it, it goes beyond just like he's a bad person and he did some bad things. He is directly responsible for the path that Bruce's life has taken to this point. And so maybe, maybe he kills him out of like, maybe he can't restrain himself. Maybe Batman didn't know the gargoyle would break off the sky and like Joker would actually just he- like let go of the helicopter and he'd be hanging upside down from the gargoyle, you know, like, yeah. And so there's like a couple of things like he doesn't explicitly set out to murder Jack Napier and so, and it's in a weird way, some circumstance that gets Jack killed where he even says like, I, sometimes I just kill myself. And so by him not relinquishing the ladder and by, you know, still holding like this, a part of the fault in him falling to his death is the Joker's own fault. And so, yeah, I'm, it's kind of like the penguin in Batman Returns where Batman yeah. does not know that water is toxic down there that right. penguin falls into um and so nor does he know that he's going to like go move in that direction there's a lot of iffy factors about um about penguin's death in batman returns spoilers for batman returns but 
I mean, even in like Batman Begins, you know, with Ra's al Ghul, he's like, I don't have to save you. And yeah. you're like, but you do actually. That's the one. That one. <laughs> yeah, that one actually bothers a l- me. A little bit of a cop out. Um, yeah. But I think also the the outside reason why Joker dies is because Jack Nicholson was like, "I'm not doing this again." So right, exactly. You figure know, out as, a way. As much fun as he had, he's he's not coming back to be the Joker ever again. So, um, so it kind of works, and it's creepy too. You know, with like his little Ugh. like voice box like bag that like laughing haunted afterwards. my dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yep. was afraid as a child of that. It it I just kept looking at it and like my little kid brain was like, I can hear the laugh, but he's gone. <laughs> uh, like it was like <laughs> it like broke me. <laughs> I uh, going back to the museum scene. There was something I noticed while watching the movie this time that made me chuckle. Was there's a one of the waiters is like set it, or busboys is like setting a table as the gas is coming out of the um, filter filtration system, and yeah. uh, he doesn't do anything and then he turns around and sees the gas and then reacts to it where he's like oh and then he falls over and i'm like i don't know if that's how gas works (laughs) you have to see it first right (laughs) yeah you have to see it and then he falls over but uh man i digress i man i love this movie though and i think me too I think that, like, for us, like, we, we can even nitpick this movie. I can, Or at least for me, I can nitpick this movie because I love it so much. Like, I think Mel Brooks yeah. said that, like, you have to love the thing you parody. Otherwise, it's not true. And I think that even works for talking about a movie. Like, I can pull apart everything, like, to the, to the umpteenth degree. But at the end of the day, when I think of Batman, I, I think of this movie. I don't think yeah. I don't I and I really it's I'm I, if I have to be honest I think I really think of Mask of the Phantasm but um but if I think of live action Batman this yeah. is it like it doesn't to me it doesn't get much better than this even though some of it isn't my my personal favorite version of Batman or Alfred or the Joker or whatever but it is so close and formative to me and 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 to film history, I think it, we haven't really talked about it, but it, like to a huge extent. But this movie was the biggest movie of all time, and I think right. people forget that it was the most expensive movie at all time. It made the most at the box office in its day. And like we we talk about like oh Avatar and Titanic and Avengers Endgame and you know like all these movies that like oh it's you know it made seven billion dollars and all that stuff. But Batman eighty nine was that movie in its day. Yeah, we forgot like the most popular quote from this movie come on let's get nuts (laughs) when i was telling you when i was on a a podcast talking about this that film uh the person having me on said what do you think about this part (laughs) he's like it feels like it comes out of nowhere when he (laughs) you want to get nuts i'm like i love it (laughs) yep i love (laughs) it but it does come out of nowhere nowhere. (laughs) it actually i think in a weird way grinds the movie to a halt that scene for some reason just doesn't maybe it's because the apartment's so bright and airy and Tim Burton doesn't know what to do with it so yeah it's it is a very strange scene it is and and it took somebody saying that to me for me to see that though because it's that that quote is just such a big part of this movie and you know if you love this movie you just love everything about it so you love that but then somebody new coming in going what's up with this part Um, it made me laugh I was like man you're so right. It is. It's nuts. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's, it is uh, nuts. it's out of nowhere. Yeah, and he does want to get nuts. That's the thing. I mean, the whole thing is basically just a setup for for Joker to say, 
you know, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Because Bruce is another a, great line. It yeah. is, but because Bruce is a terrible detective in this, because he so he <laughs> he's has, a terrible detective in a lot of these movies. It's so true. Um, but he <laughs> he's got Jack Napier's file in his hand, right? And he opens it up, and you know, and he's like, he looks at the stuff on the right side. But if you look on the left side, it has Jack's mugshot from when he was young, when he looks like the murderer of the Waynes. So if Bruce just looked at the left side of the file, like if he went through every paper, he would see way earlier that that he is the murderer of his parents. And like a lot of stuff wouldn't have happened. Well, (laughs) that's That's so funny. That's an that's an awkward thing for him. But that's okay. I like I said. Like I, yeah, like I said, Batman kills, and he's not a great detective in many of these films. So, <laughs> but true. he also solved this cosmetics crisis. So you know what he, he did. did? He did. He did some good. So have you? Uh, are, are there any other scenes that you want to talk about? Or uh, well, we did the let's get nuts scene, and I think that was in, I think that was so important. Um, I think <laughs> I think Bruce visiting Crime Alley is a big deal because we actually don't really see that in a lot of uh, other batman films like he visits he he'll sometimes go to the grave or he'll think about it or whatever but um but to actually visit the scene on the anniversary of his parents death i think it's very touching i think is important um and uh it was it is really touching uh i would like to point out billy d williams as Harvey oh, Dent, yeah. we haven't really talked about him because mm-hmm. I wish that he had stuck around. They bought him out of his contract. He was supposed to be Two-Face in Aww. Batman Forever, and Joel Schumacher wanted to move in a different direction. And so they bought him out of his contract. And I think he's actually still a little sour about it to this day. I've I would be, interviews. yeah. Yeah, I would be too because he was, you know what? He was Harvey, Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent. So good. I know, it's so cool. So huh. cool. Yeah, um... I, I, this is a strange scene that I, I do love, but I love the Batmobile driving back to the Batcave after Batman rescues Vicky from like the alley fight. All that stuff is great. Oh, yeah. It's all good. I just like there's something about Batman driving in the woods back to the Batcave that I, yeah. as a kid, got really excited about. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, like I said, every scene in this movie really works for me. And just there's a, some Easter eggs people don't talk about, like um, when Knox first shows up at the Gotham Globe and that guy calls him over. He's like, Knox, Knox, I got something for you. And it's like the bat in a suit, the bat in a suit. Um, oh, yeah. The bottom corner is Bob Kane's signature, one of the creators of Batman. So it's like that guy oh, was wow. supposed to be Bob Kane. And he like, yeah. It's like the smallest oh, of Easter that. eggs. Yeah, it's such a small little thing, but there is like still love for the comics here. Um, uh, you don't get a lot of him, but Pat Hingle's Commissioner Gordon's probably the most competent he's ever been in the four early Batman films. He gets less <laughs> competent true. as each film goes on, um, but uh, but I I do enjoy that, and I love the you know he gave us the signal and turning it on, and that's just. It's kind. Of, it's like weirdly triumphant and hopeful. Yeah, and uh, it's it's pretty great. I just, things could turn around in this terrible town. I mean, yeah, they won't. They but won't. They could. They in fact <laughs> will get worse. But you know what? That's okay, folks. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any last scene that you want to talk about? Uh, I think we covered them. Like, I think I got all my favorites out there, and I I also really really love this movie, like mm-hmm. you do. So I'm going to ask you a couple of my uh, final questions. All right. Uh, 
Why do you love this movie so much? And why do you think you've seen it so many times? Um, I love this movie so much because... Uh, because I think it's aesthetically brilliant, and I think that it, that's an important detail in any in any film. But I think that this, I think there's a texture and flavor to Tim Burton's Batman that you don't get in a lot of superhero movies. They they exist kind of in a stark realism or a generic city or something like that. And there is, um, there is like Gotham itself is a character here. And uh, I think it all blends so perfectly together that any kind of missteps in the script um, you can kind of overlook because even on mute, this movie works and you can follow it and it's and it's gorgeous. And I love Batman. So I, I definitely <laughs> return to it. A key factor. <laughs> mostly for mostly for that. Yeah, I think, you know, it was probably, like I said, one of the first, if not the first versions of Batman that I saw. So it's always going to have a special place in my heart. Um, and whether some of it is rosy, rose-colored lenses or not, I don't even, I can't even tell. I just like the movie so much. Um, and I've seen it countless times. I will always return to it. Uh, how? What is your elevator pitch for this movie? Um, well, gosh, uh, Batman. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of Batman? Yeah, he Check dresses like out. a bat. Uh, I would say if you're looking for, if you're looking for classic, I would say if you're looking for superheroes in the classic Hollywood style, mm-hmm. this is your... Yeah, this is an era. This is like the WB store is still being a thing and mm-hmm. Looney Tunes all over TV all the time. Yeah, it's it's definitely of its time and it's very nostalgic for me. But I guess for a new person, I would say, you know, watch one of the films that started it all. Yes, I think... You don't have yeah. the Marvel Universe without this movie or... The Nolan film, so nope. check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even in some ways, Batman, the way that you might just know him without even thinking about it. This movie invented the grappling gun. Like, he didn't have that in the comics. He had a oh. batarang on a rope that he would swing, but it's this sounds movie. sounds terrible. I know. It's dangerous, even. <laughs> Does but, sound uh, very, but this is yeah. this is the movie that gave him the gun that fires the line that he can swing from stuff. And he's got, like, six different versions of it in this movie. But Oh, um, wow. Yeah, but they, cool. they, you know, the one that goes to the side and the one that goes forward, the one, like, all this the one that's loose that he uses at the end but they all they all kind of work and then even batman begins you know like he attaches it to his belt and like he does the same thing here they like that's right re- reutilize yeah. that style in later films so i i think it's important for the history of batman agreed well tim thank you so much for coming on uh where can people find you People can find me on Twitter at TimothyPG13, uh, and you can find all of the, the Thought Bubble Audio shows at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. All right. Well, it's always so awesome to have you on. Seriously, thank you so much, and your shows are amazing. And oh, yes, thank you. too kind. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I have a blast coming on here, and you know I'm quite vocal about that in the world of Twitter. So, well, I look forward to having you back. That's uh, already a given. <laughs> yeah, if nobody's if if people like this and and you want to hear us geek out about Batman Returns for different reasons, I am here for that. <laughs> awesome. We'll have a good one. All right, you too.